This morning we're going to be picking back up with our series through Hebrews chapter 11. Those of you who regularly attend River Rock know that we've been making our way through Hebrews 11 this whole year. And we're going to pick that up every once in a while. We're going to take a little break from Hebrews 11, but we're going to pick that back up again this morning. And uh, we're actually starting a new part of this series, and that is uh, we're going to be looking at conquering by faith. What does it look like to have faith that conquers, that overcomes, that, uh, that as we're going to see this morning, faith that, that goes to war? Um, the reality is that the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of people who are persecuted. They're confronted with hostility and, and uh, this idea of, of conquering and overcoming and warring by faith is something that would have been familiar to them. And we see that faith confronts hostility and opposition. And this was um, nothing new to the Hebrew church that the author of Hebrews is writing to. And this morning, as we come to our next section, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, we actually come to the life of Moses. And uh, Moses, if you don't know, was an extremely important figure in the Old Testament. And we find his story starts in Exodus and um, goes all the way through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And and then at the end of Deuteronomy, he dies. But for those of you who aren't familiar with the story of Moses, um, he happens to be one of my daughter's, my youngest daughter's favorite. She always calls him Baby Moses. Um, in fact, she loves Moses so much that at Christmas time, uh, we we have, uh, in our, according to her, in our manger, we have a baby Moses, not a baby Jesus. But uh, she loves the story of Moses, and no matter how old he is, it's always baby Moses. So we show a picture of a grown man holding Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston, she's like, that's baby Moses. I'm like, no, he's, not a, he's, a, got, a, he's got a beard. He's not a baby anymore. Um, but she likes to call him Baby Moses. And for those of you who don't know the story, Moses was born at a time uh, when a new king had risen in Egypt. The last part of, of Hebrews 11 we looked at, we saw the story of Joseph. Joseph, we followed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we saw that Joseph, one of Abraham's sons, ends up in Egypt where he becomes very powerful and a very good friend of the king. In fact, so much so that the Pharaoh says, hey, bring your whole family. You guys all come live in Egypt and we'll take care of you during this extreme famine. And what happens is that the Israelite people begin to grow and they grow and they grow and they multiply. And a new king rises up. Scripture says a new king who had not known Joseph uh, rose up. And he begins to feel threatened by the Israelite people because there's so many of them. And he says, look, these people might fight against us. And so he enslaves the Israelite people. And Moses is born at this time when the Israelite people are enslaved. But see, what happens is God continued to multiply the Israelite people and he continued to grow them. And so the Pharaoh says, hey, look, what we need to do is we need to put a stop to all this multiplication. We're going to kill all the firstborn, all the males that are born. And so he orders that all the males born be killed. And eventually he says to his people, just throw any male infant into the Nile. We just need to stop this. But Moses' parents fear God more than they fear the edict of the king. And so they hide their son when he's born. And you know the story where he takes, uh, the mother takes Moses and she puts him in a basket and she covers the outside with tar and pitch and she places him in the river. And then she lets the basket go down the river and has her daughter follow the basket. And we know that, that he was found by Pharaoh's daughter while she was bathing and he becomes adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And uh, Moses' sister, Miriam, sees Pharaoh and says, hey, do you want me to get a Hebrew woman to nurse this child for you? 
And so because of her faith, because of the faith of his mother, she gets to be the one who nurses Moses, and she gets to spend probably the next two years, first two years of his life, raising him before he goes back to Pharaoh's daughter and is raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he has this very important position. He has a position of power. In fact, most scholars believe that the Pharaoh at this time didn't have any other descendants other than his daughter. And so Moses is technically probably next in line to become king of Egypt. And yet one day, somehow, he comes to know who he really is, that he's not Egyptian, that he's actually a Hebrew, an Israelite. And one day he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man and he can't take it anymore. He ends up killing the Egyptian and tries to bury him in the sand. But then it, what he does becomes known and he realizes, man, I got to take off. I got to leave or else Pharaoh is going to kill me. And so he runs away and he spends 40 years in the desert of Midian before he comes back. And God uses him to lead his people, uh, lead the Israelite people out of Egypt and into the promised land eventually. That's just kind of a brief overview of the story of Moses, and I wanted to share all that with you before we got to the text this morning, because he's such an important person, uh, and, and we're left with the question of, of why would Moses give up this position that he has? Why would he leave all that wealth? Why would he leave that, that palace and choose to identify and to suffer with God's people? And we're going to see that the answer is his faith. The reality is that our faith transforms our values and shapes our choices, or at least it should. At least it should. Faith transforms our values, and it shapes our choices. And that's what we're going to see with Moses as we begin looking at Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 26, excuse me, in verse 23. It says, By faith, after Moses was born... He was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. Now, I want to stop right here. Um, This phrase, they saw that the child was beautiful. Um, You'll see this again in Acts when um, Stephen is about to be stoned. He gives testimony going all the way back to Abraham and to Moses. And really, I I think that's kind of a bad translation. There's a little bit better translation. Some, Some of you, your Bibles may say it. It says that they saw he was no ordinary child. He was no ordinary child. And the reason why I think this is important is because what that indicates is that these parents saw that God had a greater purpose for their child than death. God had something greater for their child than death. And they see this and they realize this and so they don't fear. Faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes our current circumstances. And I just want to be up front this morning that I know there are some of you here who are facing difficult life circumstances. You're facing illnesses. You're facing um, broken marriages, broken relationships with your kids, with other family members. You're feeling lonely. You're feeling depressed. You're feeling angry. And while I can't promise uh, that through faith God is going to heal those things and he's going to give you your desires, um, what I can tell you is this, that through faith, God can give you the confidence to conquer and to overcome your fear, to trust in him. And the reality is that sometimes the things that we're facing, that God is using that to develop our faith in this, to develop our faith, to give us the faith that would conquer, that would overcome, so that we can face and that we can enjoy the thing that he has for us. Because as someone who is in Christ, when God looks at you, what he sees is no ordinary child. 
And he looks at you and says, I have so much more for you than what you're feeling right now. So much more for you than your current circumstances. And again, I want to be completely upfront that perhaps the circumstance that you're facing, God has you going through that because he has something that he wants you to learn. He wants you to begin depending on him through faith. And he wants you to see that conquering by faith, that going to war by faith, is not about overcoming your circumstance, but about relying on him and looking for him and getting outside of our our temporary and momentary, our short-lived pains and suffering and looking to something greater. And that's what we see with Moses. What we see with Moses is that through the eyes of faith, he sees the Hebrew slave people had a greater future than he had in the palace in Egypt. And so he makes a choice. One, one side note here that I want to point out um, to the parents in the room. We're going to see a very strong faith that develops in Moses. And I believe that it started those first few years of his life when he was being weaned by his mother, when he was being nursed by her. And I, I want to be very clear that as a parent, you can't pass on your faith to your children like you pass on traits. But you can create an atmosphere for their faith to develop. You can show them what it looks like to not fear the things of this world, the current circumstances that you're facing, and to have faith in God. And you can show them what it looks like to have a faith that conquers, to have a faith that goes to war. I just want to encourage you parents with that this morning. Let's continue on. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. For he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater than than the wealth of Egypt since his attention was on the reward. Now the first thing that I want us to see this morning, I want us to look at three things. We're talking about warring by faith because the reality is this. We're all faced with things that distract us from what really matters. We're all faced with, with life circumstances or, or with something that just that pulls our attention away from where it should be. And it, it starts to draw us away from what God truly has for us, the real wealth of the relationship and the riches that we have in our God. And in order to overcome that, in order to not be distracted by that, we have to go to war. We have to go to war. Just like Moses went to war, and he battles against all those things that may pull him away from what really matters. And as we look at the example of Moses this morning, we're going to see three things that are going to help us go to war by faith. And the first thing that we see is that Moses goes to war by faith by refusing. We, we see three things that he refuses. We have to refuse. At first, it says that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, this is, this is a title. It's a, it's a title that comes uh, with authority and with power. And the second thing he refuses is he refuses the pleasure of sin. Now, the pleasure of sin doesn't just refer, refer to lust and other sins. It describes a way of life that, that most people would call successful, right? This idea of, of extreme wealth, that I could just sit back and relax and not have any problems, that I could just do what I want to do, that I could live the carefree life. And it says that he refuses that. And then the last thing we see that he refuses is the treasure of Egypt. This is greater wealth than you could ever possibly imagine. Everything that he could ever want or, or hope to buy, he had the ability to do it. 
And scripture says that he gives all of that up, power, prestige, wealth, freedom from problems, an easy life. That's the dream, right? That's the American dream, to have all of those things, and yet we see that Moses gives those up. Moses, by faith, refuses that life, and we clearly see that he goes to war, and he battles against this, and he chooses instead to suffer with God's people instead of pursuing these things. Now, this battle is extremely real for us. You see, we we live in a world and in a culture that, that tells us that what really matters is our power, our position, the authority that we have or that we don't have. And we measure success in this world by the number of Facebook likes that we get or the number of retweets that we get or the number of Instagram followers that we have or the car that we drive or the house that we live in. And so there's this very real pressure from outside that we should live this way, that we should be successful. But I think there's, there's an even, even greater thing that we have to battle against. And it's not the outside world. It's from within us. It's that little part inside of us that says, you know what, I want to make a name for myself. I, I want to be, be known. I want to do something great. I want to I make a name for myself. And we've got to battle against that. I want to I live a comfortable life. I just want to be comfortable. Now, let me be absolutely upfront. We just did a series on finances, and we said the same thing then that I'll say now, that there is absolutely nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with having a position of power, and there's nothing wrong uh, with enjoying the things that God has given you and taking pleasure in what God has given you. But we must refuse the mindset that those are the only things that matter. Those are the only things that matter. Because the reality is that every single one of us is easily drawn into thinking that the temporal things, the short-lived things of of this earth, are important when what really matters is not the success that we face in this world, but what what does God count as success in his eyes? What are the things that are going to last for all eternity? We have to refuse the, the world's definition of success and look to God as our Father, Heavenly Father, to tell us what true success is. And we see that Moses, by faith, finds that. When he leaves all that behind, he says, you know what, I'm not going to pursue those things because I see something better. I see something different over here. Faith that conquers, faith that goes to war, not only refuses the success of this world, but it chooses sacrifice and suffering. Specifically, sacrifice and suffering for the sake of the gospel. See, the battle that we face within is is this, that many of us want to follow Christ. We want to be followers of Jesus Christ until it gets hard, right? We, We want to have that relationship with him. We want to walk with him. And then the alarm goes off on Sunday morning. And we're faced with that decision. Do we, do we wake up? Do we go back to sleep? Or the time comes when we actually have to put that check in the offering plate. And we've got to battle against our mindset. We've got to battle against those things. And, and we're faced with this decision of what are we going to do? Where are we going to hitch our wagon? Because the reality is that we're going to be mocked. Think about Moses. Think about all that he gave up. Gave up. Everyone around him thought he was crazy. Thought he was ridiculous. Thought he was a little bit nuts to give up everything. In fact, we're going to see that he was despised. 
by the people around him. The next thing we see is that Moses bears reproach. Faith that goes to war. Faith that conquers bears reproach. Jane Byrne was uh, mayor of Chicago in 1979 to about 1983. And uh, she did something that nobody ever expected her to do. You see, she came across a problem in the projects in Chicago, and she fought very hard to get these problems fixed, but they just weren't happening fast enough. So she committed to move out of her penthouse high-rise apartment to move into the projects and to live there until the, pro- the problems were fixed. And so she lived there for about 20 days. And that is an extremely admirable thing to do. But after 20 days, she went back. She went back to her high-rise apartment. Moses stepped out of the palace and never looked back. He never looked back no matter what people said, no matter how he was treated. He saw a greater future with God's people who were suffering than in the palace of Egypt. And so he steps out and he never looks back. And I I can't imagine all the things that his family, that his friends would have said to him. Can you imagine being in that position, giving all of that up? I'm sure they probably went and got the men with the white coats to come and examine him. Like to make sure everything's okay. But Moses gives it up and he never looks back. He gives up the best of the world for the worst of religion. Moses gives up the scepter for suffering. He gives up a diadem for disgrace. And he gives up reigning for reproach. Look at verse 25 of chapter 11. What's it say? It says, and he what? He chose what? He chose to suffer with God's people rather than to live, enjoy the short-lived pleasures of this world. He chose to suffer. Now, I don't know if you ever think about that, but Moses thought that this was the better choice. And many people are going to think you're a fool when you choose to suffer, when you choose to face difficult things and you do so, not begrudgingly, but with joy knowing that God has something better planned for you. Um, The reality is, as Americans, as American Christians, how much do we really suffer for our religion? We may get made fun of in the media, or or someone may make fun of us, but we, we really don't suffer that much, do we? For the sake of the gospel, I mean, there are places in the world where it can literally cost you your job or your family. There are places in the world where when you become a Christian, your family will actually throw a funeral for you. And there are other places in the world where it will actually cost you your life to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's be honest. As Americans, we've got it pretty easy. There's not a whole lot of suffering that we have to do. There's not. And, and I know there's some of you here that this idea of suffering and being a Christ follower, like to you, those are two uh, opposing ideas, right? Because after all, God wants me to be happy, right? God wants me to be happy, right? We've all heard that. The guy on TV told me God wants me to be happy, and all God cares about is me being happy. And so when we're faced with difficult decisions, we think, well, whatever feels good, it must be the right thing. Right? God just wants me to be happy. 
here's the reality, that God sent his one and only son to die on the cross. And I don't know if you have read the story recently, but if you remember that his beard is plucked from his face, he's beaten 39 times with a whip within an inch of his life, and then he's nailed to a cross. That was God's one and only son. But you, he wants to be happy. No, God calls us. God calls us at times to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Moses didn't even know the name of Jesus Christ, yet it says that he bore the reproach of the Messiah. His hope was so strong in the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, the one that would die for the sins of the world, that he was willing to suffer. He's willing to suffer. I want us to look at a couple verses. John chapter 15, verse 20 Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, remember the the word I spoke to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And then he goes on in chapter 16. He says, I have told you these things so that that you may have peace. You will have what? What does it say? You will have suffering in this world. But then he says, be courageous because I have what? Conquered the world. Jesus tells us, he promises us that we will suffer. And that's not something that many of us get excited about. But when we suffer for the sake of Christ, there is much to be gained. Think about it. Think about all that Moses gained through suffering. It says he bears the reproach of the Messiah and he chooses to be identified with the Israelite people. What happens? He suffers. He sacrifices. But then eventually God uses him to bring many people and deliver them out of slavery into the promised land. The same way that that Christ came and he suffered and he sacrificed and he brings salvation to many. And the reality is, is that when you and I suffer and we sacrifice for the sake of the gospel, that God can use our suffering, he can use our sacrifice to bring salvation to many around us. And this is something, the last thing that Moses understood he understood that his suffering, that his sacrifice was temporary. And so he looked to the reward. Faith looks to the reward. Faith that conquers. Faith that goes to war looks towards the reward. Moses valued God's promise more than earthly treasure. As Moses weighed out his choice, what does he see? What does he see? He sees the promises of God to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And he sees that this enslaved people who have nothing have a greater future than he has in the palace. Now, I think it's interesting. I want us to to look at verse 25 again. And this is really interesting to me. It says, "And, and what? And he chose to suffer. And then it says, for he what? Considered the reproach of the Messiah to be greater than the wealth of the treasures of Egypt since his attention was on the... The reward. Now, these two words, chosen, considered, are very important words. Because at the time when Moses is faced with this decision, he's, he's giving very careful thought to it. He's probably about 40 years old when he makes this choice, right? So he's not 14. This isn't something like he gets mad at his mom and he's like, well, you're not my real mom, right? And he makes some spur, spur of the moment decision and he runs away and does the teenager thing. No, this is a very thought out decision that he makes. And we see that again in the use of the term considered. This is a mathematical term. 
it actually means to, to weigh against, right? He's, he's comparing two things. And on one hand, he puts the treasures and the pleasure and all the stuff that Egypt has to offer. He puts it on one side of the scale. And then he puts suffering and sacrifice on the other side of the scale. And if, that, if that's all it were, I think that scale would easily tip. But then he looks and he sees the promises that God has made to the Israelite people. He sees the promises that Moses made to Abraham to send a savior that would bless the entire world. And it very quickly outweighs. And this is a, this is a very calculated and measured choice by Moses. And so he makes that choice. And he says, the reward is greater than the pain. The reward is greater than the pain. I know that God has an eternal plan for this people, and so I'm going to choose to be a part of them. The reality is that when we set aside the seeking of glory and riches for ourselves and we give our lives to service of others and we sacrifice, we have to keep in mind that the reward is not always experienced right away. But there is a reward that comes. It's the reward of perhaps seeing that that friend that you've been praying for for a long time, putting their trust in Christ. It's the reward of walking closely with God. That intimate fellowship that you you have with him. Because in those moments when when you're struggling and when you're fighting and when your flesh says, this is too hard, I want to give it up. The only thing you have to rely on is God and he's there and he's walking with you through that. And he says, let's go to war together. Let's go to war. Let me strengthen you. And then we also have the eternal reward to look forward to. We look forward to a time when we get to enter into God's fellowship and we get to be blessed with a reward that will never fade away, that could never be spent. It's there for all eternity. We have a choice to make. We have a choice every single day. Do we continue to look at the short-lived pleasures of this world? I love that it uses that term, short-lived. Short-lived pleasures. What a great reminder that as long as we live on this earth, whether it's 70 years or some as many as 100 years, that in the grand scheme of things, that is short-lived. A reminder that the pleasure is short-lived, but so is the suffering. So is the pain that we might endure for the sake of the cross. And I think Paul captures this perfectly in Philippians chapter 7, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, when he says this. He says, But everything that was a gain to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I might gain Christ. What does Paul say? Paul says, you know what? I, I had a really good life, but I set all of that aside when I encountered Jesus Christ. And I've made it my mission to do everything that I can, do everything in my power to bring others into relationship with him. And, and that kind of faith, that kind of faith means going to battle. Because every single day we're going to face those decisions. Am I going to be distracted by these things that are short-lived, temporary things? Or am I going to keep my eyes on the eternal?
Am I going to keep my eyes on what God says really matters? And I know for a lot of you in here, this is not a comfortable subject because it's not easy to think about doing those things that make us uncomfortable or giving up those things that make our life what it is. And I can't tell you what that sacrifice may mean. It may, it may mean friends. It may mean, for some of you, sleep to get up early to invest in, in time in the Word. It may be a financial sacrifice. It may be something else. I don't know. But what I do know is that we can face these things. We can face these difficult circumstances when we have faith that goes to, world, to war. We can either be overcome by fear or we can conquer fear by going to war by faith. And we do this by refusing to be sucked in to the temporary short-lived pleasure of this world and treasure of this world, knowing that doing so means bearing the reproach of the Messiah. And the only way that we get through this is by having confidence in and keeping our eyes intently focused on the reward that is to come, knowing that it far outweighs any treasure that we could experience in this life. Now, I know there are some of you here this morning who... Um, you're here, but there's never been a moment in your life when you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. And while we talk about warring by faith, going to war by faith, I want to read a couple verses out of 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 55, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives, uh, gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about going to war by faith, and most of this message has been geared for those who have already put their trust in Christ, that that we would go to war by setting aside the things that this world says matters and focus on what God says matters, which is giving our lives to reach others, to bring people out of slavery to sin and into relationship with Jesus Christ. But the reality is that there are some here this morning who have yet to take that first step of faith. And that first step of faith is one that that also you have to go to war with. You have to go to war with your, your mentality that I can save myself, that there is something good that I can do, that there's enough church services that I can attend or enough money that I can give that would save me. Because Paul's already said it. He says that the law is death. What is the law? The law was a set of rules that people were trying to keep to earn God's favor. The law was death, but he says that, thank God, he, God, gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. What he means is that through Jesus Christ, Christ came, Jesus came, the Son of God, fully God and fully man, lived a perfect, sinless life, and then died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin so that you wouldn't have to try to earn it. And that goes against everything that our, that our mind tells us. Our body tells us, we've we got to earn it. We've got to do this. There's got to be something I can do. But God calls us, and he says, go to war against that. Because I've already overcome. I've already conquered for you. Just put your faith, put your trust in me. And if that's where you are this morning, I want to encourage you to let this morning be the time when you experience victory through Jesus Christ, when you experience the conquering of sin as you put your trust in Christ and Christ alone. And for those of you that are here this morning that have already put your trust in Christ, man, I pray for you 
this week that you would refuse to be distracted by anything that's temporal. Yes, we all have jobs. We all have kids. We all have stuff we have to do, and and those things are good, but let's keep our focus on what really matters. Let's refuse to be distracted by that. Let's bear the reproach of the Messiah, and let's keep our eyes focused on the reward that matters. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the example of Moses and the example of faith that he gives each of us. Lord, we know it's not always easy to set aside the things that are right in front of us, to set aside our circumstances, to stay focused on what truly matters. So we ask this morning that that you would allow us to do that as we rest in you, as we rest in your son, Jesus Christ, that we would take his words from John chapter 16 to heart, that he has overcome the world, he has conquered the world. And so there's nothing that we have to fear. Lord, would you help us to rest in you? Would you help us by faith to keep our eyes focused on the eternal? We pray this in Christ's name.